I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody. Lieutenant Joe Pangaro here for Chasing Justice. Our country is caught in the middle of so many different I don't know what I want to call them whirlwinds. But when we look at our country, we see so much change going on. We see so much struggle going on, a lot of strife, a lot of anguish, a lot of angst. Is there a lot of joy? Do we also have a lot of joy out there? I know I sit in my yard and uh, we have a nice little pavilion we built out there. So we use it pretty much three seasons, except for when it's snowing. But we sit out there and Kathleen and I and we'll, we'll watch the the sun go down in the evening, maybe we have a nice fire, uh, we sit there and have a nice adult beverage, a cocktail. Uh, I might enjoy a, a fine aromatic tobacco product once in a while. But it, it seems peaceful. You know, we listen to the birds chirping and sometimes we play music. I like the standards. I like standard music. Frank Sinatra, uh, all those old kind of uh, 40s, 50s uh, kind of music. And we'll listen to that, and we have a nice time out there. It seems very peaceful. And then, of course, the topic of things going on in the world will come up in conversation. And then, and then it doesn't quite seem so peaceful. You know, because there is all of this uh, consternation and, and, and upsetness going on out there. So the culture of, of any nation. Uh, the culture, you know, what do you think of when you think of uh, Italy? I'm Italian, right? So we think of Italy. We're considering going there on a vacation. Uh, I'm Italian and Irish. Kathleen is uh, Irish. And we're, we're thinking about, we've been to Ireland and we saw the culture of Ireland and the people there were very nice and we saw the lifestyle and it was very nice. Now we're thinking of going to Italy. So when you think of Italy, what do you think of the culture of Italy? Well, it's a culture of great food, great passion, passionate people, uh, great art, great history. What is the culture of America? Well, I think the culture of America, I know when I was a young person growing up, the culture of America was, it was the greatest place on earth. I mean, people wanted to come here because it was so great. And what exactly made it great? Was it the physical uh, topography? Was it the ground, the physical earth that, that, that America resides on? Well, to be sure, there are, there are many beautiful, beautiful places in America, I've seen lots of places that'll take your breath away. They're so beautiful. Uh, and there's many more that I need to see. But I don't know that it was, it was the land, because there's beautiful land. Uh, I, saw, I saw beauty in Ireland, in, uh, in Western Ireland, uh, in County Donegal, where my father-in-law, Ted, uh, his family is from, uh, Burtonport. I saw such stunning beauty uh, of this, this, this landscape, this, this mountains with no trees, just grass, and the, the unbelievable beauty of the, uh, the North Atlantic Ocean right there. But that wasn't the culture. The culture of the people and how, how, they, how they lived and the community and how welcoming they were, that was what I thought about Ireland. I thought about, you know, the culture of Ireland is tradition. They have beliefs uh, about their people and how they view themselves. Well, that's what America, I think, was. I don't think it's the ground. I don't think it's the, you know, the beautiful Grand Canyon, which is fantastic, or the gorgeous beaches of Florida, or the stunning beauty of California, or anything in the middle. You know, there are so many beautiful places in our nation. 
The Adirondack Mountains in New York are some of the most beautiful places on the planet. Uh, pristine, absolutely gorgeous. But I don't think that's the culture of America. It doesn't make the culture. The culture is made by the beliefs of the people. What 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 is the... And, and not the government. I don't mean the beliefs of the government. Because remember, in America, it is we the people. This is how it was set up. So that it was different than every other uh, human get-together of, of community. Where as opposed to the government... Maybe a strong man leading and saying, well, this is how we are. I'm the king, and therefore everything about the world depends on how the king sees things. Or the queen, how she sees things. And that's how the rest of you will see it. That's, that's not what America was. Our forefathers came here so that they could set up a new nation, a new, a new way, a new culture, where the individual was the most important. And where your personal uh, desires to achieve or not achieve, to believe or not believe, all of these things took, took precedence over everything else. America was a place where you could be uh, a very, very dirt poor person from a family with no resources, no education, and you could get yourself educated. You could rise up. If you had a good idea and you had a good work ethic and you tried really hard, you could become a leader, a leader of industry, a leader of thought, a leader of uh, finances. You could become very, very wealthy in this country if you had a good idea. Now, granted, not every single person with a good idea gets to be a millionaire and run a gigantic company. Of course, of course not. That doesn't happen anywhere. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of different moving parts to get someone to that place. But you have a much better chance here in America where the opportunity was always here. See, that's, that's the difference. We always had equality of opportunity. We all had the same opportunity. Now, our circumstances certainly changed that equation a bit, right? If you came from a family that had a lot of resources and you had good ideas and you had a good work ethic, your opportunity to create something amazing, big, uh, changing, world-changing, uh, was, was certainly better. You know, you'd have to be uh, you'd have to be stupid not to understand that. You know, you could probably have a kid in the most impoverished part of this country could probably solve cancer. Has an idea. You know, is, is really good at, at at science and could solve cancer, but doesn't have any resources or doesn't have the ability to bring that idea forward to get into medical school. I think that's absolutely true, uh, and I call that the uh, American Idol effect. The American Idol effect was one of, one of the first times I saw the TV show American Idol when we had all these uh, young people, these talented young people who never would have had a chance because it's very limited to be able to get to uh, uh, an entertainment uh, manager, right? Be, to get a real one that can get you jobs. It, it's kind of hard. It's not easy. You, can, you don't just call their office and go, hey, I'd like you to represent me and get me in movies so I can make millions of dollars, be a movie star. It's, it's not that easy. But American Idol was an opportunity where a TV show invested in this and went out and had these, uh, you know, these trials where you could come out and if you were really talented in your town, you could go to the next level where you competed against people from, from the region and then from the, you know, the part of the country. And then the best of the best of, of, that of the people they found that season ended up on the show. And then they got to go out there and show the world what they could do. Now, a lot of these people never would have had that opportunity 
ever in their life. Look at Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood is one of the most talented, amazing performers uh, we have produced in our country. She is absolutely amazing. She's beautiful. She's very talented. But without the American Idol, the reality of her ever achieving the goals that, that she has are probably impossible. Uh, just like there is right now, there's a garage band somewhere that is practicing and playing their own music. They're coming up with their own songs that if the world got to hear them, they could be the next Beatles. But unfortunately, they don't have that connection. Maybe they don't have the right equipment. They don't have somebody to promote them. They can't get to the gig where they would be seen or whatever. So that's why I call these kind of things the, the American Idol um, phenomenon, because they had a chance to take somebody with talent and rise, which means anybody with talent, if they get the right exposure, can rise. That's the beauty of America. And that's what equal opportunity is. You know, equal uh, equality of outcome, though, on the other hand, is what is problematic, right? By demanding that uh, people, even if they're not as talented as someone else, that they get to have a shot, too. Well, okay, you could do that and you feel better about it. This is the everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. You know, I remember when I was a kid uh, being on different kind of sports teams and you know, it was nice to have that trophy. You go to your friend's house and he's got the football trophy sitting on the thing because the, the year before in the recreational football league that we were all on, you know, they won the championship. And, you know, here he's got this nice trophy there because they, they came out first place. There was no second place trophy. There was no third place trophy. There was no participation trophy. Well, you get a trophy because you were on the team. You know, and then I remember when they started doing that. Like you go to the, uh, we'd every, there was always a banquet dinner at the end of the football season. And it was Recreation League when I started. You know, the local, the, there was a local, the, the town had a, a football league and you could start there. And everybody would get picked in one. We were, the team names were based on different colors. There was the red team, the white team, the blue team, the green team, like that. And you played each other. You played a full season. And at the end, there was, a, you know, the best two teams with the best record would, would play a championship. And the winners got nice trophy. But you would give these trophies out at the banquet dinner. And the banquet dinner, all the teams, all the players, the coaches, the parents, everyone would get together and have a nice dinner. And the, the big highlight of the night was bringing up the championship team. They got up there uh, wearing their uh, the colors that the, of their team and they got the trophy. And it was, uh, you know, sure, it was a little frustrating that, you know, if you came in second, but, you know, hey, those guys, they beat you. You know, that's the way it was. Next year, we're going to get them was the thought. Next year, we're going to be the champion. And that was the, the opportunity that we had. Then I remember uh, when my son Joe was born. And Joe started going out and playing sports, you know, uh, t-ball and soccer. and all. Well, next thing you know, uh, it's the end of the year and we're having the banquet, you know, because they have the banquet dinner always to bring everyone together. It's a good thing. Sports are a good thing. And we get together and, you know, there, there's no championship. That's the first thing they took away. The first thing they took away was the whole idea that's, that, that there'd be a champion. You know, now that we're not going to keep score. We're not going to keep score of the games. We're just going to let the kids play and have fun. Because the kids that lose, they get very upset. And at a young age, you would see a lot of frustration. You know, if a kid struck out playing baseball. If a kid missed the ball in soccer. Uh, if the team lost. You would see kids cry. They would be upset, you know, that they did poorly. And they didn't do well. And I guess the idea, I guess the idea 
uh, was that, well, listen, at least this way, if everybody gets a trophy, then nobody will feel bad. And when you think about it, you say, okay, the, is there anything to that? I'm going to get a trophy, uh, and at least, at least I have a trophy I could put on my shelf. And look at me, I got a trophy, and I feel good about me. I guess so, but I don't think it really works that way, because I remember, uh, you know, when they weren't keeping score, and we would be out there, I, I guess Joey was seven or eight years old, and he's on the little baseball team, and they're out there playing, and I was really surprised that we don't keep score, right? Uh, but you know who kept score? The kids kept score. The kids knew what the score of the game was. I'd say, Joe, how's it going out there? You having fun? He goes, yeah, Dad, we're winning six to four. I said, how do you know? There's no score. We're not keeping score. He goes, yeah, yeah, we're keeping score. We're paying attention. Now, of course, nobody wrote it down. So at the end of the game, the nine innings were over uh, or whatever it was. They played six innings as little kids. Okay, that's the end of the game. All right, everyone, great game. And they go home. And one group of kids was sad and one group of kids was happy. And I think this points out the folly of our friends on the left where they have these kind of ideas, these progressive ideas, that they're going to go against they're going to go against what everybody knows, and we all have to pretend something else. So instead of the reality of uh, the teams playing each other, even, even at these younger ages, and it continues right on through uh, to, the, to, to every age of people playing sports, is that... Everybody knows who won. Everybody knows who scored goals. Everybody knows who, who was the best. Everybody knows that. But we would pretend, you know, we're not going to keep official score. We're not going to pay attention. We're not going to write it down. So at the end, there is no winner. There is no loser. It was just a game. But, well, I don't know. That really doesn't work out because, like I said, when that game was over, sometimes Joe was happy because he knew his team really won. And sometimes Joe was sad because he knew his team didn't win. The other team scored more than them. But these people that believed in this, they believed in it wholeheartedly. And at the end of the year, everybody got a trophy. And, uh, you know, I guess at first, I guess the first trophy, it was exciting to get a trophy. You had a trophy. And, you know, we're parents. We're trying to, you know, hey, that's great. You got a nice trophy. And you know what Joe said to me? He goes, yeah, but we didn't really win. He knew. Because it was common sense, it was truth, it was right in front of his face. No matter what we tried to tell him, you're all going to feel better because there'll be no winners. There's always winners and losers. And the most talented people, the people who play the hardest, the people who try the most, who practice the most, they win most of the games. And the kids all knew that. And that was part of our American culture. You knew that if you tried really hard, if you took advantage of whatever opportunities came your way and you tried and practiced and you had some skill. Number one, you knew you could get better. You had a good coach. You tried really hard. You could win that trophy for real. You could be the real champion. We all know that. And 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 that's what we're doing today. We're, we're, we're trying to demand that people, um, not only that people be tolerant of each other, but that we have to buy into each other's uh, realities and people are saying wait that's not real that's it's not it might be real for you and that's good good for you you know but it's not real and you can't make me believe it and that's what I think the problem is now can we do can we be polite to each other 
Of course we can. Right. So I'm looking and I see out there on this landscape. Now you see this uh, this controversy with uh, people who identify themselves as part of the trans community, biological males who identify as females, biological females who identify as males. Now that's that's okay. They can do that if they want. You want to if you're if you're born a a male and you want to decide. You know I want to be a girl. I'm feminine. I want to wear feminine clothes. I want to wear makeup. I want to act like a female. That's perfectly okay. That's what you want to do. You know, if you want me to call you Sheila instead of Steve, I'll call you Sheila, right? I'm polite. I don't care. But then they turn around and say, don't just be tolerant. You have to believe me. Well, okay. It's just like the trophy thing. I know how you feel. You're struggling. You're trying to find who you are. And I have, I have great sympathy for that, and I have compassion for you, and I will do what I can to help. But you can't demand that I believe something, right? You can believe it, and I can be respectful of you, but I, you can't make me believe it, right? And, that, and that's what I think the problem is. We're not, we're not giving fairness, because if I say I'm a Christian and I believe it's real, I have a right to say that. I have a right to say that, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is God and he came here and, uh, and he, uh, he died for our sins and he'll come again and he's going to judge the living and the dead, right? Anybody who's been to church knows those lines. I honestly believe that. There's a lot of people who think I'm nuts, that that's crazy. There is no such thing. Uh, Jesus is a mythical figure. He's a story. He never came. There is no guy in the clouds that controlling everything. We are basically on our own. Well, I really believe it. But I can't demand that other people believe it, that they accept my reality. I would hope that they would be polite to me and say, okay, well, that's what you believe. Uh, and you want to say Merry Christmas? Good, Merry Christmas. But you can't make me believe it. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying this is causing a real problem in our, in our country because it's pitting us against each other. Right? Because we're not actually talking about it. Isn't this, this is what I say every time here in Chasing Justice? The, the presence of justice is not the absence of conflict. The presence of justice is the ability of people to sit down and talk things out and try and work together. And we're not doing that. You know, there are a lot of people in that community who are suffering. And I, I hate when anybody suffers. So why can't we have a conversation and try and figure this out together without calling each other names, without attacking each other, without ruining each other's lives? It would be good if we could talk about it. So I see one young lady out there in the country, and I think uh, she's being treated unfairly. Her name is Riley Gaines, and she's a, a championship swimmer. Now, she's being treated unfairly because half of the country who is on one side of this issue is demanding uh, that everybody else buy into their beliefs, as opposed to just saying, well, everybody believe what they want. This is what we believe. Don't attack us. Leave us alone. We get to say what we want. And I agree. You could say and do anything you want to do. That's the beauty of America. But this Riley Gaines is out there feeling like she's been cheated because she has worked her whole life to, uh, to, to take every opportunity she can to work hard, to struggle, to sacrifice, to become the best she can possibly be at something that she loves, swimming. And then the rules are changed on her where a biological male is allowed to compete against her. And of course he wins and she finds this inappropriate. Matter of fact, millions of Americans find this inappropriate. They don't find the people inappropriate. 
That's what gets twisted around. Well, if you're against that, if you're against that, you must be a hater. You must hate people. That's not true at all. You don't have to hate people to look at something and say, that's not right. You know, and this girl, this Riley Gaines is out there. And what are people saying? Are they giving her message any any opportunity? Are they Are they letting her say what she feels? And are they tolerating her belief? Are they trying to accommodate her belief and her understanding? Or are they demanding, no, yours doesn't count. Only the other side's counts. And this is where we find ourselves in this problem. This is why we can't help each other here. Because it's only a one-way argument. Now, she's trying to say that it's not fair that she has to compete against biological men. Now, biological men are usually, in most parts, not always, stronger, have better lung capacity, heart capacity, muscle strength, that they can obviously beat females. You don't see a lot of females that transition into males going into the NFL and becoming the greatest linebacker, right? We don't see that because it's much more difficult uh, physically, right? doesn't mean the person is a bad person. It just means that the things are just the way they are sometimes. So I see her attack being attacked saying, well, she's trying to do this for likes. She's trying to do this for popularity. She's trying to... Every excuse in the world except for Maybe she really is just upset and she doesn't understand this and doesn't think that this is correct. Now, is it correct or not? I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to say if it's correct or not? Um, It doesn't seem right that you should be able to do that, that you should take away from biological women who have worked their whole lives that have something, you take it away because of of a a new evolutionary thought process we're having in our country. But I think we have to have the conversation. We have to talk about it. And see what would be best for everyone, right? What would be best for everyone? And that's the point I'm trying to make here. And that's cultural. You know, we're struggling culturally. And that's just one of the big ones right now because it's in the news every single day. You know, the the way the media portrays things is that either you are uh, on the side of of the transgender community or you're a hater. There's no, there's no two, there's no two sides. There's one side. And if you're not on that side, then you're a hater. And I don't think that's correct. Now, I think there are some haters out there, no doubt about it. Some people are just haters. No matter what we do, we can't get away from haters. There's always going to be haters. But there are people who just disagree with certain things. Not with, again, not with the people. And and maybe I'm speaking for myself. Is that I don't disagree with the people. I know they're struggling. They're trying to find themselves. We all are. Aren't we all trying to find out who we are and how, where we belong in this world? I don't think it ever ends. But I think the reality here is that people have different beliefs and how do we accommodate them? How do we help each other so that everyone can find happiness in this life? Wherever they think they fit, wherever they want to fit, however they can fit in, and everyone can can achieve and be their best. And that's what America offered. America offered opportunity. But when you start to change opportunity and twist the rules and bend things in favor of one side or another... Then now you now you change the playing field. For years, that's all we worried about was having a level playing field. Now we're changing the level of the playing field to change uh, to fit another uh, another point of view, right? So it's not just about tolerance anymore. It's about a demand that you believe and accept, and that doesn't matter what it is. And I'm not talking about the transgender community. It's about anything. My example of religion was, why can't I then demand that everyone out there bow down to Jesus Christ? 
That's my belief. I believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you're a hater and you should be shut up. You should be shunned. You should be pushed away because me and millions of people really believe that. And therefore, if you don't believe what we believe, you're a hater. You're a hater and haters should be silenced. Would that make any sense? No, it wouldn't. It'd be better to have a conversation about it and see where everyone can fit in to the conversation. Right? And then people do what they want to do. If, Joe, you want to believe in that, you believe in it. If you don't want to believe in that, Harry and Mary, you don't have to believe in it. The whole idea is that we have opportunity here in America to, to make our world what we want it to be, to be who we want to be. And that's what always was the best part of this. So the argument, you're seeing people take, take more and more sides. I think initially people were afraid to say anything, you know, because you can be twisted, you know, when you don't have the media on your side, uh, your words can be twisted against you if it serves a political purpose to attack you. Uh, I've told a story. I've had people uh, call to my employers and say, do you realize that Lieutenant Joe uh, is on the radio on this chasing justice? And he's saying that maybe there was something wrong with the January 6th thing, that he doesn't believe it was an insurrection and Trump tried to take over the country. He doesn't believe that. What are you going to do about it? And basically, they told him to go pound salt, which was really good, because that, that's not what I was saying at all. But people will twist your words when they have the power of the media. If, it, if, if hurting you helps them, they'll do it. And again, that doesn't, that's not, that's not uh, tolerance. That's not equality. That's not everyone having their own say and everybody decide what they believe based on the arguments people make. That was always the idea of what America should be. That was the thing that people came here from their other nations to be part of America. They came here to be part of this great experiment in freedom and liberty and justice. And it's evolved over the years. It's grown. It's gotten better. You can't say it's gotten worse. It's gotten better. Uh, but over the years, that was what America was. You could come here to be anything you wanted. And we see that now. There is more diversity in our country of jobs, opinions, lifestyles, everything than there is anywhere else in the world. And that is one of the, the powerful things about a modern America, is that there is this opportunity here. We just have to figure out how to get along with each other, how to talk to each other, how to have a different point of view without being called a name. It's a different point of view. That's all it is. Right? And again, like I say, I don't know how other people see it. I, I don't look at anybody in any other groups that I'm not in and go, well, I hate them because they're in a different group. I, I don't hate anybody. I just say, they get a different point of view than me. And how does that work out? How do we work this out? Right? And I think that's probably the best way to, to move forward with anything that we're trying to deal with, right? With anything is how can we talk to each other, understand each other, respect each other, and get along with each other so that we all can move forward. And that was the other thing. As an American uh, citizen, when I was growing up, we all, we all had the same ideas about America, about what America meant and the value that America has been to the entire world. If America was not here, the world would be a completely different and much, much more terrible place. And it, it is a terrible place in, in many parts of the world. It would be much worse everywhere if it were not for America. So I guess that's really what I'm saying is that we have to find a way to, to, to talk to each other, to talk out our differences, find a way to get along, and then maybe find a value in who we are as a people once again, and the value of what our country brings. And that is our culture. And our culture is you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want, 
You just have to really try hard, right? All right, we'll be back in a minute. That's a lot to think about. We'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. AmericaOutloud.com If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, welcome back to Chasing Justice. Okay, so there's a lot culturally going on. We we see the the pains and the the things that we're going through here. I saw something culturally out there. You know, that's TikTok. TikTok. You know, I don't think you you can't get away from it. It's a very popular uh, website. We all live on our digital devices now, don't we? I mean, most people, it's on your phone. People are on the phone all the time scrolling. Uh, I, I, I joke when I, when I do presentations and I talk to younger people and I talk about them dating and I say, you know, believe it or not, we used to actually meet people face to face and we would ask them to go out because we liked them. We talked to them. We had a conversation. They might be a fun person to go out with. I said, we don't swipe right. and We didn't swipe left. You know what I mean? Which is, of course, a reference to the different uh, dating apps. You swipe right if you like people. You swipe left if you don't. You keep looking. And there's TikTok. Now, there's been controversy. There's people who are are so um, so enamored of this TikTok that the idea of getting rid of it, of banning it, 
uh, it drives them crazy. They go, it's like, it reminds me a lot of smokers, people who smoke cigarettes. Now, you want to smoke, you smoke. I don't care. I enjoy a cigar once in a while. So, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those people that go, oh, you're going to, you're going to, it's up to you. You want to smoke, you smoke, you kill yourself. It, that's the reality. Cigarette smoking will kill you. But the reality is people that smoke, uh, you try and, uh, you know, take that smoking away from them and they will get, just like anything, alcoholics. You try and take away, you know, you listen, you drink a little too much. They will get defensive and come after you because the habit Right, the addiction, whatever it is, is very powerful, and it will fight against you. Uh, it'll come after you if you come after. You. So this, the whole thing of TikTok, why do people want to get rid of it? Why do we? You know, this is the argument. Why would people ban it? Why would governments ban it? Why should parents not have this on their kid's phone? Because they hate the Chinese people? No, of course not. It has nothing to do with that. But it's framed that way. That's one of the ways it's framed. Well, you mu you must hate the Chinese. You don't want it. How about we look at the reality? that it is a Chinese product, the Chinese government, the official Chinese government, not the people of China, who are very, very nice people. They've been around as long as everybody else. They're wonderful people. Their government is a communist government, a dictatorial regime that imprisons its people for having the wrong thoughts, that executes people for doing the wrong things the government says is bad. Everything that comes out of China comes out of China because the communist government allows it to come out. They were just talking, there's these beautiful cranes, these gigantic cranes that are used in these shipping ports all over the world that they're finding out has software on it that is used to spy on the, the uh, nations that have this in their ports coming from China. So the Chinese put this stuff in it so that they can gather data on what's coming in out of a port, when are ships coming and going. Why would they want to do that? Well, open your eyes. Don't be stupid. Look around. What have we seen the Chinese government doing? Right? The communist government. What are they doing? They're building bases all over the world. They're trying to infiltrate in our side of the world. They're trying to set up things where they can build their military power. And now they've come out and said they want to displace America as the number one superpower on the planet. Now, for all you people that hate America, let's think about this. If America is the number one superpower in the world, for 99% of the time, we work towards freedom and liberty and justice and everybody doing their own thing like we talked about. But if you get a tyrannical communist government, when they take over, do you think you're going to get to have your marches and your protests and you're going to get to be upset about everything? Or do you think they're going to come in and shut you down? Yes. So it's much better that America be in charge of things than the Chinese communists. Right. So this TikTok is another tool like the crane. It's a tool for gathering data. Now, Lieutenant Joe, what data are they going to gather from my kid watching TikTok videos? It's personal data, because once it gets into your phone, it can look at the rest of your phone. It can see your contacts. It can connect you. Your phones listen to you. Don't you know that? Do you ever have a conversation about screen doors? And next thing you know, on your social media, all you see is pop up ads about screen doors. How do you think that happens? By accident? No. Well, TikTok is the same thing. It is, uh, it is a tool being used by the communist Chinese to gather information, because the, the more information they have as they go forward, when they want to make their move, you never know what you're going to be connected to, whose information they're going to get and find out where different people are because their kids are on TikTok. You see, so it's much bigger than just not wanting this because the kids like it and it's from the Chinese and we hate them, so let's get rid of it. It's because it potentially is dangerous. 
But like many things that our friends on the left do is they obfuscate the information and they, they give you uh, name calling. They accuse you of, of terrible things, of hating, of this, that, and the other thing. And they obfuscate the reality. If this thing really is a tool of the communist Chinese to get information to eventually overcome our nation, don't you think it would be smart to get rid of it? The answer is yes. It would be smart to get rid of it. But we have people fighting us because they like it so much. And this is where I made the, the analogy to someone who smokes. Try and take away their... I don't need to smoke. I'm not addicted. I don't need to smoke. Take their cigarettes away for 10 minutes and you want to watch them fight. You want to watch them be upset with you, come after you. You better give them back them cigarettes. Same thing with an alcoholic, right? People come after you. you I don't need to drink. I'm perfectly... I don't have to drink. And then you take their, their booze away and they, they will claw your eyes out to get that booze back because they're addicted to it. Right? And people are addicted to this TikTok. And we have to understand that it's, if it's being used for a nefarious reason, we have to be smart enough to know that and do something about it. Why doesn't somebody else come up with a new one? Instead of TikTok, call it um, Happy Hap. Right? And come up with a Happy Hap that does the same thing. These kids can go on there and put on their, their goofy videos. And these people can go in there and dance around and all the stuff they do. But it won't be connected to the communist Chinese government. That's the answer. Right? But I don't know why nobody's doing that. You just People are digging in on bolts. Again, we can't talk. We can't talk. We can't talk about anything. If, you, if you're against TikTok, it's because you hate the Chinese. right? Because, of course, you hate everyone if you don't agree with people on the left. All right? So that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, now, these TikTok challenges, I got to tell you, when, if you go through uh, some of the social media, uh, uh, has this stuff built in. And I'm, I think they're called, they're called Reels on Facebook. Now, I don't know if Reels or TikTok or if that's something totally different, but I don't have a TikTok app. I've never gone to do the TikTok, TikTok app, but I have seen like clips pop up and it says it was from TikTok. So maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. I'm not an old guy that don't know. It's just it's not that interesting to me. But when you're when you're going through Facebook, you'll go through there and all of a sudden you'll see these Reels and you click on it. It's some girl dancing in her underwear or just some guy digging diamonds out of the ground. It's like there's a million different videos in there. And you can't help but see them when you're going through. So are they, um, is that part of, of um, TikTok or not? But the, the thing is, is that people get into this and they're, 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 they are. I've seen people sit there for hours, right? What are you doing? Uh, I'm just looking at some videos and a couple hours. Later, you're still looking at a couple of videos. Why don't you go out in the world and do something as opposed to just look at videos? And I'm not saying it's horrible because, you know, when I was building my, my bathroom upstairs in my house, I don't have all these skills. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a plumber, a tile guy. I don't know how to do all that stuff. I went on uh, on YouTube and I looked up, hey, how do you how do you straighten out a floor before you put tile on it? And I watched a hundred videos until I had an understanding of the tools, the terms, the equipment, the things you needed to make this happen. Uh, same thing with, with other stuff. When I had to, how, how do I you know build a wall, install a tub, take out a tub, put in a pipe? I watched videos because there's a lot of really good information out there, right? You can learn some things. But this whole TikTok thing, one of the things they do there is this thing called challenges, right? So maybe you've heard about challenges. So the challenge is they come up with something. Um, I'm trying to think of, of one. There was a cinnamon challenge a while back. Okay, a cinnamon challenge was can, can you take a teaspoon of raw cinnamon and, and put it in your mouth and swallow it down? Now, this is so, such fine powdery stuff that when you put it in your mouth, it's so dry, it can actually choke you. 
and people were choking. And the, the, the challenge was, can you do this, right? Well, apparently there's another one out there now. How many of these like Benadryl type tablets can you take? And, and a boy in, uh, in Greenfield, Ohio, young kid, I think it was 12 or 13, he took 12 to 14 of these tablets based on a TikTok challenge. Kid ended up in the hospital. You know, this is very, very bad. So these things these kids do are, are, are strange. What was the one What was the one with cutting? They would cut themselves or, or uh, it, it, it's crazy. These things pop up. Is that healthy for our kids? Is that healthy for any of us to be doing these kind of stupid things? It's not. But why do we, why do, we do it? Because right? we're all on the digital world. I think I covered that enough. All right, next. Next up in my pages of outrages here. I have a lot of them here. Um, there's a thing going on out there. Again, it's a cultural kind of a thing. It's a devolvement of our society. Um, they're called teen takeovers. Now, uh, on the news, you could see them once in a while. And it's right in line with um, organized retail theft. O-R-T, organized retail theft. This is where we see large groups of people show up at a store, they swarm the store and take as much merchandise as they can and they go running out the door. Different than in what you might consider to be looting when there might be a riot or something going on and then somebody gets a bright idea, smash in the TV store window and grab a TV and then people grab what they can and take off. That's a little bit different. These organized retail theft is where these things are pre-planned. Uh, groups of people decide we're going to target a place. Neiman Marcus, I think, in New York got targeted and a group of people, large group, swarmed in there and stole all kinds of uh, jewelry and all kinds of things out of Neiman Marcus. It's happened in many, many places. And there's a uh, retail, uh, retail organization out there that monitors the retail business. And one of the things they look at is theft and how that affects businesses and, and what they can do. And they're saying now that this organized retail theft is becoming such a problem nationwide that it is causing uh, huge financial losses to many, many different companies. In fact, we're seeing it's part of the, uh, the wave of business closures in, in lots of places, like especially on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, we're seeing businesses close on a regular basis, closing their business and getting the hell out of there because there's so much theft and lawlessness going on that the business can't function. Uh, I saw a woman the other day. Where, where was she from? Um, oh, I want to I guess she was out in California somewhere. She's had a store for like 14 years. And in the last two years, it's been burglarized like eight times. Her merchandise stolen, her store destroyed. She says, I cannot afford to keep resupplying my store with merchandise and fixing my, you know, thousands of dollars of windows and doors and alarms. I'm just going to close the business and get out of here. Now, this is, uh, this is a growing problem. So how organized retail theft uh, is very akin to a new phenomenon that we're seeing called teen takeovers. This is where large groups of teens will get on online on social media and tell each other, hey, this afternoon at uh, 2 o'clock, we're all going down to uh, Happy's Pharmacy and we're going to uh, storm into the place and we're going to steal everything we can. Well, there was a big one in Chicago, and it's on the video. It's on video. You can go, you can go look it up on social media. Teen takeover in Chicago. It, it looked like hundreds and hundreds of teenagers uh, took to the streets and went into these stores and cleaned them out. Uh, very bad. There was another group, uh, and I, I think it was a pharmacy, 
where they stormed in and they stole everything possible. And as a news report, it was thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. This is not good. This is not good. This goes with the crime wave that's going on. Uh, we see this crime wave as part of the devolvement of our nation, of our culture, of our people, where I guess, I guess the thinking was that the justice system needed to be reformed and the justice system was not fair to many people. And therefore, we should adjust the criminal justice system. Okay, fair enough. Right? Let's look at it. Let's really look at it and see if that's true. If it turns out that there's bias in certain areas of the justice system, then let's change it. If it's, uh, there's certain areas of unfairness, injustice, then let's adjust those, right? Because we all should live under the same justice system. Do we live under the same justice system? No. I can feel thousands of you out there shaking your heads no. We have a two-tiered justice system, don't we? If not, multiple-tiered justice system, not just two tiers. You know, look at the crimes that the rich and the famous and the politically connected can conduct, that they can get involved in, and nothing happens to them. But then imagine you or me do something similar. You'd be in handcuffs uh, so fast you wouldn't be able to, to, uh, to calculate how fast that would be. We see political attacks on people where we see the Justice Department being corrupted. And if you are of a certain party uh, and you commit something, you'll get indicted. They'll show up at your house with 30 uh, armed uh, SWAT agents to come crashing through the door with your family there. But if you're not in a certain party, if you're in the other party, um, eh, maybe you could turn yourself in. You know, show up when you feel like it and come on in and we'll talk about it. And, and maybe we won't even charge you. This is a two-tiered justice system. Well, this, this teen takeover and this organized retail theft that's going on is a symptom of this, uh, this desire to create a better justice system gone out of control. All right, so once again, there's a good idea. Let's look at our... Every once in a while, you have to look at the system. There's no doubt that someone who has a lot of money and can afford very, very good attorneys is probably going to do better in a criminal case in court than someone who relies on the public defender for lots of reasons. Does that mean the public defender attorneys are no good? They're just horrible? No. There's some very, very, very talented people in the public defender's office, people who really believe in what they're doing and are trying to help people. The reality is, though, they don't have the same resources or the same time. The public defender might have a public defender attorney might have 15 or 20 cases they're working on where the high end lawyer uh, who's making, you know, a thousand dollars an hour. Maybe he's got six cases and he has a whole team of people working on it with with him or her. Right. They're not doing it all by themselves. So that's one of the reasons that's that's a lot unfair. That is unfair. A two tier justice system is unfair. We all should operate under the same laws and understand the same understanding of what our responsibilities are, what our rights are, and, and what would be a problem for us if we do the wrong thing, right? But that's not how it is. So this teen takeover now where these teens are showing up in mass uh, and, and going in and cleaning out a store is a joke because there's no penalty to it. There's no penalty to it. They don't get in trouble. Matter of fact, we've gone so far over the edge of with this idea that the, the justice system had to be adjusted that now we've said, okay, listen, victims, they're not the most important. The criminals are the most important. The reason they're being criminals is because the system is not fair. 
You know, if they get caught doing something, they're going to have to go to jail, and that's not fair, and we need to change that. So therefore, we're not going to put people in jail anymore. There's not going to be punishment for anything anymore. Uh, and then everybody will be happy, and we see what happens. Nobody's happy living in, in a crime-ridden neighborhood. Uh, there's nobody, nobody, you can't go visit certain places, you'll get robbed. You, you can't go to places where your car will get busted into. This, this is not good. You know, you own a business and it gets swarmed by people and they steal all your merchandise several times. This is not good. This is, this is, and this is a symptom that's going to continue to devolve our society to the point that we're going to see lawlessness. Now, is that part of the plan? Is there a plan for there to be such lawlessness that we have to then do what? Call on the government for help. Hmm. Lieutenant Joe, is that a conspiracy theory you're throwing out there? I don't know. I'm doing what I always do. I'm asking a question. Why would people in positions of authority in our government, in our nation, in our prosecutor's office, in our departments of justice, why would they allow a two-tiered system of justice not to be hidden? It's blatant right now. It's right out in front of our face. And nobody makes excuses for it. Nobody tries to change it. This, this is the way it is now. We have prosecutors that will not prosecute serious, violent felonies. They will not put felons in jail. They will not put dangerous people behind bars to protect the rest of society from them. Why is that? Why would somebody sit there and not go, listen, I'm the prosecutor in this community, and I am going to make sure that this community is safe for the good and decent people, not for the criminals. When the criminals get to court, there's a one-tier justice system, and they will have to be held accountable for what they did, and that's fair. That's justice. What's not justice is saying, hey, victims, hey, you people, shut up. The system was so bad. We have to let people just do what they want. But do you go out and commit crime? Do you, does you and your family, do you show up at a place and go, hey, let's go in there with some hammers and smash open those cases and take all that jewelry? Because you know what? Nobody's going to arrest us. And then we'll get to have nice jewelry because we never had nice jewelry. Now we're going to have nice jewelry. And then we'll stop by. Let's get some new computers. Let's just go into the Apple store, smash it open and take whatever we want. Because, you know, we wouldn't be able to have iPhones without it. We don't have that kind of money. No, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. And once again, this is crazy thinking. Do you think that in China and Russia right now, the, the governments are sitting there worrying about all this kind of stuff? Or do you think they're worrying about taking over the world? We need to pay more attention to what's going on here. We have to be fair to everyone. We have to listen to everyone, right? We may agree with everybody's choices, but and as long as it doesn't interfere with your life, then you, you like to do doesn't interfere with somebody else's life. Everybody do what they want to do. Be who you want to be. But we need to come to some kind of consensus here that we all are going to start rowing the boat in the same direction, that what we think is important to us is important to us. Going forward, do we want to live in a land where everyone is free, where everyone has opportunity, or do we want to live in a place where these things are dictated by the government? They tell you who can go to college, where they can go to college, who can pay taxes, who doesn't have to pay taxes, who can commit crime, who can victimize you and get away with it. And don't you dare say a word that you don't like it, because that's how it is now. Heavy-duty stuff here. Heavy-duty stuff on Chasing Justice this week. 
You know, I, I'm looking through other things, and, and we talk about this devolving culture. You know, what, what do we hear about uh, threats, right? People on the right are threatening everyone. Uh, you threaten our way of life. You're going to kill us. You're going to come after us. You're horrible. You threaten to attack people and... You know, uh, you you support the NRA, therefore you, you're up. You you believe in school shootings and all this other nonsense. Because again, we're not talking to each other. We we attack each other uh, over points of view. It's the quickest way to shut someone up is to attack them, accuse them of something when they can't respond. So therefore, that kind of sticks into the culture of who they are, even if it's not true. So one of the things we saw was uh, Kathy Griffiths, the the comedian. Now, I, I like comedians. I like to laugh. I, I've laughed at all kinds of jokes. I've laughed at jokes about me. I've laughed about jokes about other people. It, it's funny. Jokes are jokes. That's the idea of a joke, right? You, you, take, you can't take yourself so seriously. Uh, but this Kathy Griffith, she came out, and, and she, she had uh, Trump derangement syndrome, like a lot of our friends on the left got. I mean, they just they, they couldn't tell you two things that the guy did to anybody other than help the country, but they hate him and they just got to get him and he's bad. He's going to go to prison now. Thank God. For what? I, I don't, I, I just would like to hear the argument. Well, Trump actually did this. Trump actually did that. Uh, well, he said some ugly things about uh, how he, how, what he likes to do with women. Yeah, they're pretty ugly things he said and he shouldn't have said them, but it was guy talk. And guys say stupid things. They exaggerate to each other to make each other sound uh, tough. Uh, and look what Bill Clinton actually did. Bill Clinton actually did do these kind of things, right? Um, people out there in the world really do bad things. Joe Biden is is accused of rape. But we, we won't look at that, though. That woman's a liar. She's a liar. She's a, We're not going to listen to her because it's on a certain political side. And therefore, uh, you know... It's the, if it's the other side, it's the end of the world. There are going to be trials, indictments. But if it's the other side, the, our friends on the left, no, no, no. It's, it, the person is a liar, right? So this is part of, of, of our problem. But we just saw um, this, this Kathy Griffith. She got in big trouble because her derangement syndrome took her to the edge where she took a, a fake head of Donald Trump where it looked like somebody cut the head off a body and she held it up. Right. She was trying to, you know, uh, virtue signal to all her, her people out there that, you know, she would kill this guy and kill him and hang him. And, this and, that. and that's violence. That is a real kind of a threat when you do a thing like that. You know, you're not just saying uh, you disagree with someone or you think that they're wrong and that offends people so bad they have to jump out a window. This one was actually holding up a, a, a faux head of the president of the United States that had been cut off a body. Uh, to make a statement. And she did get in trouble for that because that was really horrific thing to do. I mean, that is an ugly, ugly thing to do. Well, Senator um, Manchin, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who there might be some challengers to him. He, he might lose his seat. And you think he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. You realize he's a political uh, insider like all the rest of them. Uh, he, he knows his state is getting more conservative, so he's still trying to maintain his conservativeness. But at the same time, you know, he betrayed the conservative people by voting for the Democrat stuff, the, the budgets. And, and he goes, I didn't think they were going to do those things. Why would you not think that when all the rest of us who said it was a bad idea for those budgets would say they're going to spend money on the wrong thing? Why did you not think it was a good thing? You're right there. You're a senator. You're supposed to know that. How can me at the other end of a TV tube or a radio be able to figure out what they're going to do? Right. So anyway, he's got what they're describing as his last campaign person on there, um, did a tweet the other day, something about hanging Trump. I tweeted out a picture or something of hanging Trump. Now, that's violence. That goes right along with the, with that Kathy Griffin saying, you know, cut his head off. 
This is violent rhetoric that people come up with. This is not saying, well, we disagree with Trump's conservative policy because we think uh, more money should be given to this or that or the other thing, and we think he's just wrong. How many times have you heard me say that I disagree with people's policy? Not necessarily people, because I don't know the people. I, I talk about Barack Obama all the time. Uh, you know, I thought it was a wonderful thing that he got elected. I didn't. I wouldn't have elected him because I don't like his policies. But the fact that he did get elected, I thought it was a wonderful thing for our country. We had our first African-American president. I thought that would heal a lot of wounds. That people would say, hey, we really can move ahead. This is good. You know, we're, we're making progress. But it actually got worse. Here's a guy who could have made a huge difference in race relations in our country, and he didn't. Instead, he threw gasoline on the fire. So I, I was really disappointed by that. But my point being, you can't do things like, why can't we just talk? Let's talk about the policy. What difference does it make that? Well, if you don't believe in the policy, you just want people to starve to death. Nobody's t starving anybody. I'm talking about it. I, I saw, and I'm getting myself all wound up here. I saw one of these things the other day. You see these little clips. I think Charlie Kirk does them. And he was at a school somewhere, and these people were saying, uh, you know, Republicans want to cut, cut Social Security and cut it out. And that's a big threat that people always give to the elderly people in our country. They're going to cut your benefits, cut your Social Security. And whoever uh, he was arguing with, the point was, you realize Social Security is going to go bankrupt. There'll be no money for anybody if we don't reform it. Well, they take reform to mean you're going to cut people out of it. They're gonna, hey, old man, they're going to cut your money. You're not going to get it. Hey, grandma, they're taking half of your check away. Those Republicans don't want you to have it. And that's the, that's the furthest thing from the truth. It's a big lie. And it has never happened but they say it every single election cycle. This is fear-mongering. This is attacking people instead of talking about issues. And that's really what this whole show is about here. That's what this whole episode is about. We should be talking about all of these different issues that are going on in our country that are devolving our culture. It's devolving our country, and it's not leading anywhere good. It's leading to a big problem for all of us, our grandchildren and our children. So listen, this is Lieutenant Joe saying, hey, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And think, think, think. And we'll see you next time.